Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. And in this week before Purim, let me wish you all a happy Purim. Purim, the happiest holiday on the Jewish calendar. And one of the features of Purim often is dressing up in costumes. And people say to me, where did you, we get the idea that you should dress up in costumes on Purim? I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't, other than it's fun. But I do want to share with you a rabbinic fable, a legend about the Book of Esther, about the story of Purim, that has an element of costumes in it. I'm not saying that this is where the tradition of wearing costumes comes from, but it's interesting that there's a rabbinic story that has to do with somebody appearing as somebody else. And let me share with you the story. Towards the end of the Book of Esther, Esther identifies Haman as the adversary of the Jews of Shushan, as the one who wanted to destroy the Jews of Shushan and planned to do so. Ahasuerus the king is so upset that he runs out to his garden. When he comes back, he finds that Haman has, is lying on the bed that Esther's on. The king is just furious, of course, and says, does he mean to ravish the queen in my own palace? It's at that point that Harbona, one of the king's attendants, suggests to Ahasuerus that since Haman has gallows built in his backyard, intending, intended to hang Haman on them, hang, excuse me, hang Mordechai on them, why doesn't the king hang Haman on those gallows? King says, fine. And Haman, and it turns out according to the book, and his sons are hanged, and the threat is completely defeated. It's really the, the crucial point of the story. But the rabbis tell an interesting tale about it, an interesting Agadah legend. And here's the way it goes. When Esther identified Haman, the king went out to the garden but according to the rabbinic tradition, this one story, the angel Michael ran out ahead of the king and started tearing up the flowers or the shrubs in the garden and throwing them around. The king comes out to the garden and he sees his garden destroyed and he comes back inside to find out what's happening or what happened and just before he gets in, Michael, the angel, had scooted in ahead of him and pushed Haman onto the bed where Esther was. And in fact, the, the Megillah, the words in the text are, Haman fell on the bed. So the rabbinic commentary is that the legend is that this angel, Michael, had come back in ahead of Ahasuerus, pushed Haman onto the bed, and that, of course, sealed Haman's fate in a way because the king clearly responded to him being on the bed with Esther even more strongly than he did finding out that he wanted to destroy all the, the, um, the Jews of Shushan. And it's at that point that Harbona says to the king, Haman has these gallows, he wants to hang Mordechai, you should hang him on it instead. Now, it's very important to point out that King Ahasuerus doesn't have an independent thought in the entire book of Esther. He only does 
what his advisors tell him to do. So therefore, the fact that Harbona, one of his advisors, tells him that he should do this is essential. But according to this rabbinic legend, that wasn't really Harbona. It looked like Harbona, it sounded like Harbona, but it wasn't Harbona. It was, in fact, according to the rabbinic tradition, Elijah. Elijah the prophet. Elijah, whose roles in Jewish tradition are certainly as the herald of the Messiah, the decider, the ultimate decider of, of Jewish legal questions which have baffled the rabbis for generations, and who is the protector of the Jewish people and of individuals. And therefore, Elijah shows up on the scene in order to conclude the story, in order to completely and permanently eradicate the threat by telling Ahasuerus to kill Haman and to, to hang him on the gallows. It's a great story. Okay. Elijah knows that Ahasuerus isn't going to listen to Elijah because Ahasuerus doesn't know Elijah. So Elijah, in essence, dresses himself in costume, as it were, and assumes the appearance and the voice of Carbona in order to have the king, in fact, take the advice. Why do the rabbis tell the story? Because there is a problem with the Book of Esther from the rabbinic perspective in that God's name is not mentioned in the story, and in fact, there's nothing about God's role in saving the people of Shushan, saving the Jews of Shushan in the story, and that doesn't work from rabbinic tradition. It doesn't work that Esther and Mordechai don't pray to God. It doesn't work that God's name isn't mentioned as saving the people. So therefore, there are certain things that rabbinic tradition has done to, in fact, inject God into the story. One of them is to find little phrases or verbs or verses which show that maybe God was present. Uh, there are different words that the rabbis used to say, oh, that's the presence of God in the story. And in fact, in, in, in one particular uh, translation of the book, of ancient translation of the book of Esther from the Septuagint, the Greek translation, we have Esther and Mordechai both praying they're, they're beautiful. You can find, if you look online and you point out and you, 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 uh, you search for Septuagint Esther's prayer, you'll find there are beautiful prayers that are inserted into the book of Esther in some versions of the story. Prayers from Esther, prayers from Mordechai, statements about God that aren't present in our story. So what the rabbinic tradition is trying to do is to inject God into the story by saying, no, the angels were there, the prophets were there, the representatives of God were there all the time, and we're not going to allow this to happen. And that's where Michael and Elijah come in. Now, I want to tell you how I found this midrash, this agada, this legend. It's not very hard to find, but I had never heard it before. I found it because I was trying to get an answer to a question that bothered me for a long time, and I finally decided to do a little research on it, and it took a very short time to get my answer. There's a piyut, a poem, a, a liturgical poem that is read in many synagogues after the reading of the Book of Esther on the night of Purim, and I love this short piyut called Shoshanat Yaakov. Talks about the Jews of Shushan had faith and believed in God. We can talk about how it comes to that conclusion another time, but it, it makes this grand statement that the, the Jews never gave up faith. And it ends with the words, 
Aror Haman cursed be Haman, who sought to destroy me. Blessed be Mordechai the Jew. And then cursed be Zeresh, that's Haman's wife, who was the wife of the one who brought such trouble. Brucha Esther Adi. Blessed be Esther, who was a shield around me. And that should be the end of the story. Cursed be Haman, blessed be Mordechai, cursed be Zeresh, blessed be Esther, but it's not the end. Because there's another phrase that's tacked on to the very end. Vigam Charbona Zachor Latov. And also Charbona. May he be remembered for good. If you know, recognize those words, Zachor Latov, you may recognize them as words which are used to describe Elijah. For example, in Birkat Hamazon, in the Grace After Meals, we say Eliyahu Zachor Latov. That's like a, 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 an expression that's saved just for Elijah. But here in the, this piyut, in this poem, it's Charbona Zachor Latov. So I always was trying to figure out, I was always puzzled by the fact that Charbona, who has a role in the story, but maybe not the major role, just the final act, should get the final accolades, the final statement of blessing in, in, um, in this Shoshana Jacob. And the reason is, of course, and we're, we're tipped off on this by the words Zachor Latov, which are usually addressed only to Elijah, is that in, in the mind of this Python, in the mind of this poet, it is Elijah who in fact saves the people and he gets the final billing. And that shows God's role in the story. All that's great. But you notice what the poet did. He did not say, Vigam Eliyahu Zachor Latov, he left it as Chabona. And whether he intended it to mean this or not, here's the way I take it. When we seek to find Elijah in our presence, we don't look for Elijah. We look for people who are doing the work that Elijah would do. We look in ourselves as the potential Elijahs in a situation. That by, by keeping the name Charbona, he reminded us that the good things, the, 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 the valiant things, the brave things, the courageous things are done by people who realize that it is our responsibility to bring justice to the world, to bring peace to the world, to settle disputes in the world, whatever it might be. That we don't in our tradition wait around for Michael or Elijah to come and help us through a situation in some miraculous way. We're the ones who do it. We may want to believe, and we, we may believe, and in fact it may be, that God intervenes in our lives more than we might know it. But usually, the way that we think of the world, and the way that we should think of the world, is human beings doing God's work. And therefore, I take great, great meaning in the fact that the poet, instead of saying Elijah when he referred to the story, referred to Elijah as Charbona because it's a way of saying that we may not be able to be Elijah's, but each in our own self, whatever our name is, we can become, we can have the, the spirit of Elijah within us and the spirit of God within us and the spirit of, of, of the, 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 the individual who is working with the gifts that God has given us 
and the values that God has set for us to change the world for the better. So it might have been Elijah, but I like the idea that it could just as well have been Carbona. And just like Esther and Mordechai acted to save our people, so should we be doing our work to bring us to a better world and to be the people who stand up not only for our people, but for people throughout the world when they're in danger. Until next time, thank you.